Welcome to the Everyday Innovator Podcast for product managers, leaders, and innovators. Your host is Chad McAllister, helping you become a product master. Listen and get ready for higher performance, for the doctor is in. Hi, this is Chad, and this is where product leaders and managers make their move to be product masters, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so that you can create products that customers love. Our guest for this episode is Monty Rowland, and Monty used my online training course to prepare for and pass the new product development professional exam, earning him the MPDP certification from PDMA. Now, PDMA is the oldest and most established professional group for product managers. If you haven't heard of them before, they're basically the analogy to Project Management Institute and the certifications they provide only for product managers, Product Development and Management Association, PDMA. Now, after earning the certification, he contacted me to discuss providing training to product managers in his company. And this is a topic I always enjoy because I love, truly love helping organizations improve their product management capability. It's so very important in helping product managers further their skill set and how they work with each other and with the product team. And as I talked with Monty about all this, I also learned some about his background and I quickly became fascinated by his experiences and knew he had to join us here and share his stories and knowledge with us. So I asked him to come on the podcast, and that's what we're going to be doing in just a moment. Monty has pursued an entrepreneur path, building his own company, and also an intrapreneur path, working in an established company. By education and experience, he's a mechanical engineer, and he also has a ton of design experience with that. And I wanted to talk with him about his experiences, including the pros and cons of working for yourself, versus working for an organization and making that transition back and forth. It's really a fascinating discussion and one I hope you will enjoy. And remember, if you hear anything you want to go back to or just have an easy way of sharing this with other people, just send them the show notes or you go look at the show notes. You'll find those at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 255. It's simply a summary of all the things we talk about along with the podcast if you want to hear it again or your friend, colleague wants to hear it. Now, let's talk to Monty. Monty, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovators. Thanks for having me. Glad we get to talk. So we've been connected before because we're both involved in PDMA, and then you had reached out to maybe have me do some training with your company, and I found out about your background. I was just fascinated and wanted to talk more. Glad you can be on the podcast. A lot of us got into product management because of we have some kind of entrepreneur outlook in our life, and when I ask people why they got into product management, it often comes from this spirit of entrepreneurship, right? Wanting to create something yourself or be a part of creating something. And you have done that both yourself as an entrepreneur with your own company and as an entrepreneur inside an organization and wanted to get your take on both of those worlds. I thought this would be really fascinating. So can we start with you telling us what you're doing now as an entrepreneur working for an organization? Sure. So I'm with the new product development team at Pinair. So if you swim in a swimming pool, the water probably went through some product that we make to filter it, pump it, uh, analyze it, what have you. So I'm on the new product development team. And so I work out of Apex, North Carolina in our innovation center. And I've been very fortunate, um, blessed in that I get to do a lot of the front end uh, work, either from an ID standpoint or from a workout, um, that connection between the voice of the customer and, you know, what's the tangible product that we can translate that into. So that may be something where 
it's, you know, it's, what is this going to look like? So I make some hand sketches and turn that into um, CAD models or, or it may be where we have a, a challenge of some sort. And the challenge might be, you know, you've got this voice of the customer that's nebulous and then you have customers that are, you know, want a product that works for them. Uh-huh. And how do you pull that together? And so um, that it's an area where I really, really enjoy doing. And it's a, I guess the strongest part of my skill set is bridging that gap. Uh-huh. And so this, the good thing about working for a large company is that we have enough projects to where I do an awful lot of working through those challenges, either from an ID standpoint or just from an engineering standpoint. Usually get those to a certain point, and then I turn that over to another member of our development team um, to take it to the next step. Okay. Yeah, and lots of things we could dive in there. I'm interested about your innovation center and all that, but I'll try to keep those focused. So really working on that fuzzy front end part of work and voice the customer work so we understand their problem and trying to create better products for them. And you're often involved in that industrial design aspect and that trying to see those early products take shape, those early concepts. I get all that right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. And now let's talk about what you were doing as a entrepreneur when you had your own company and what what kind of products you were creating. So working a lot is the first thing. (laughs) So when you definitely whenever you start your own company, you generally end up spending a lot of hours working on your company. Uh, and on your customers' products and managing the company and growing the company and doing all those things. And so we had um, Monty Design, which I ran for uh, right around a decade. We did a lot of B2B products or business-to-business products. And then as the company matured, we started to do more and more B2C or business-to-consumer products. The... A lot of the first products we did were uh, things like rack mount servers and a lot of this, you know, heavy duty, highly engineered products that um, usually a lot of packaging electronics in some way. And part of that was, um, you know, we had to deal with cooling. We had to do with, you know, how are we going to, how are we going to design this in a way it can be easily manufactured Mm -hmm. and, and with, I'll, I'll call it ID light. So what we wanted to do in the end was have a pleasing product, which mainly in those cases, a lot of times had to do with the trade shows, you know, so someone goes to a trade show and they recognize a product as belonging to company X. And so we had a lot of fun doing that where, you know, we'd take a product spec or sometimes just hand waving and turn that into a set of drawings and prototypes for a customer and or client, I should say. And so a lot of those clients, uh, would come to us because they were behind the eight ball time wise mm-hmm. or because they had, they were trying to get around politics in their company or what have you. And some of them just wanted to outsource though. They're like, okay, we don't, we don't want to add more engineers. And so they'd outsource the products to us and we develop those products for them mm-hmm. and uh, help them transition into manufacturing. Okay. So that sounds like kind of an industrial design service or other businesses you were developing products on their behalf to meet their kind of their needs. Yeah, I think I'd say it went way beyond industrial design because Mm -hmm. we would actually do the mechanical and some of the electrical engineering so that we would actually give them a finished product a lot of times. Hey, Dad, I was just thinking about your book. What's its title? Turning Ideas into Market-Winning Products. Is that about alchemy? 
<laughs> okay, that's an interesting question. It's kind of, I guess, it's actually about how we find insights, that we uncover problems, come across ideas, these unmet needs that customers have, that we can then turn into some product or service that creates new value for them in a way that really is different than others. That's market-winning products. So why did you recently make a second edition? Well, the first one was a few years ago, and recently AIPMM, that's the Association of International Product Marketers and Managers, contacted me about providing that original book to some of the people that are earning uh, their certification. And I said, that'd be great. Be glad to help out with that. And that was a good opportunity to update the book and bring in some new information. Okay. So where can people get your book? Well, it's on Amazon, of course, but even more importantly... They can find many of the key concepts for free in my online course. If you're selling the book, why are you giving away a free course? Because I really do want to help as many product managers as I can have this notion of what it takes to make market-winning products, to take ideas and turn them into products that customers love. Okay, I get it. Where can product managers get the free course? That's easy. You can just go to the everydayinnovator.com slash book and sign up for the free mini course. Easy to do, and you'll get these little lessons that just come into your email box. Are you sure it's not about alchemy? <laughs> <laughs> that evolved into B2C, uh, which I found really interesting. Uh, tell us about those products. So, well, it kind of branched too. So, so we started doing more B2C products. Um, like one example was an air filter that uh, goes in a home Mm -hmm. and you know those are highly stylized and so the industrial design portion had become a lot more involved and a lot of times too you know the the manufacturing processes would change you know all of a sudden you know instead of doing a little bit of injection molding and a lot of sheet metal a lot of times it switches around where maybe there's actually a sheet metal part in it and the rest of it's injection molded because of cost Hmm. and you know Mm -hmm. higher volumes and so then that also led to we said, well, hey, let's do some of our own products. And that led to this little offshoot called Monty Gear. And tell us about Monty Gear. And so with the Monty Gear, we said, if we're going to develop products, let's develop products that people will love, but let's manufacture them in a way that we're proud of. So, you know, we've, as for Monty Design, we had a lot of products where, you know, they were made all over the world and, and that's fine. But what we said we want we want to do is we want to make as much as we can locally. So it's more of a community effort uh-huh. on a product. And we also said that time and time again, we said this, you know, in meetings so that everybody was crystal clear. We want to design these products in such a way that people, A, want to give them to their grandkids. And B, we, we look at it and go, that's the way I would make it if I was making it myself. Now, of course, we're the ones making the products, but. We wanted people to look at it and say, you know, if I was going to go in my shop and make it, I would make it this robust, this tough, this, you know, how people look at it and go, wow, that's really nice. And so one of the things we threw out the window is we said it costs what it costs. And kind of when everything went from there, hmm. you know, we, instead of trying to, you know, optimize for cost, we opt- optimize for usability and, and robustness and user love. So good B2B experience where you were designing and creating and getting ready to manufacture products for companies and use whatever resources you need around the world to get that done. And then you moved to a B2C business, Montegear, that was developing products more locally. And so kind of more mission-driven and also products that you were really proud of. 
And as I look through the products that you used to create, a lot of these seem to be related to maybe scratching your own itch a bit, related to hunting and camping interests. And what looked mm -hmm. like one of the most famous ones was a slingshot, right? Yes. And the other thing is the crazy thing is we did both of this at the same time. So Monty Gear was several years old. I mean, Monty Design, the design firm was several years old. And we decided to start Monty Gear at the same time. Mm -hmm. So there were several years there that we were very, very busy running a small manufacturing company and doing product development for clients. And I like how you started that it was working a lot, right? Yes. <laughs> a lot of hours involved in getting these things going and trying to satisfy customers and exceed their expectations. Let's talk about the pros and cons of this world. So again, a lot of product managers, we have a desire to do something on the side or just transition to something on our own. Um, or we really enjoy being able to, to create inside that larger organization, right? And kind of decrease risk a little bit. For the entrepreneurial person who uh, maybe has this itch that they want to do something on their own, or maybe they've tried before and want to get back into it, let's talk through the, the pros of some, the advantages of doing it on your own. What did you like about that? So one of the things that I really enjoyed is that, you know, there's a sense of self-determination in that. You don't have um, someone looking over your shoulder saying, well, I want you to do this, you know, which in a big corporation, you have that. You always have oversight from a lot of levels. Um, whereas if you're in a more entrepreneurial role, then you have less of that oversight. So you have the ability to maybe explore in directions you wouldn't been able to explore in a more constrained environment. Mm -hmm. And so... That's really nice because, you know, we all have these, if we enjoy product development, I think the, one of the things about enjoying it and doing it for a living is that we all have this sense of adventure and in a corporate environment, and I'm going to say appropriately. So you have to take that sense of adventure and, and follow what the corporate mandate is. Whereas with an entrepreneurial endeavor, you've got more flexibility to determine that mandate. Yeah. And that, that's kind of that big difference. Yeah. And less resistance in that, right? So if there is something that you are really excited about pursuing, you can because you're the one in charge of the direction and what you want to do, as opposed to needing to influence others to kind of get them on board with you and moving together. Yes, okay? exactly. What about the disadvantages in this? One I heard you say already it involved a lot of work. Yes. So a couple of things to consider. One is that... Um, if you have a spouse and, and then, you know, we're talking about all these professional things and, you know, and, but at the same time, your family is your number one priority. Yep. And so one of the things I've learned is that if you want to be able to enjoy your entrepreneurial endeavor, you need to get some buy-in at home. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's an important thing in that you want to, um, you want to do something at a level that a, Time-wise, you get buy-in, and then also financially, you get buy-in. Because if you've got to go mortgage the house to go after some world-changing, high-risk product, you you've put yourself in a very bad situation. So I think you know those those two things that are um, so important, and and a lot of entrepreneurial ventures fail because they're not well funded, right? And so they never have the funding they need, and so. Part of that is picking the size and scale of your endeavor so that you can achieve the funding you need. And I think that's critical. 
And how did that work out for you? You did this for a decade, and I know others who have gone down this path, and because of overwhelming sense of time and detachment from family and maybe stressing finances, it destroyed their relationship, destroyed their family. How about you? Yeah, so so I'm I am proud to say that I um, um my wife I I went back to the corporate world while my wife still liked me. <laughs> Good move. Now I am on my second wife, so but that's all. <laughs> that's another story. Then. The first one. That's another story. Uh, but um, but yeah, and so we've um, so my wife lived through the whole money design era. And uh, Monty Gear stuff, and so, mm-hmm. so at some point, I I said, you know, hey, well, I'm gonna, I'm spending so many hours working on this, I, I need to make a lifestyle change, and so I did. Uh, I do not regret that lifestyle change. Uh, I had a great time doing what I did with Monty Design, and the nice thing with Monty Gear, I scaled that back, and I still do just enough to where I can work on it evenings and Saturdays, and send out cool products that customers love, but nowhere near at the scale it was. Okay. So it, it was nice being able to scale that both bigger and smaller, you know, as based on available manpower and time and everything. Yeah. So you can still scratch that entrepreneur itch a little bit, but you're doing it on the side now through Montegear. Yes. And so that transition to make the lifestyle change, that was joining Pinter and becoming a entrepreneur with them. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. I always say that I, jokingly that I sold out to the man. <laughs> but but the reality is, though, is that, um, you know, when I, I closed Monty Design, it was a tough thing to do. And, you know, we had to had a bunch of people to help find jobs for. And But at the same time, it was great because now, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm more, I don't have to worry about payroll. I don't have to worry about, you know, capital. It's, you know, it's, it's very, very different life. And it's been nice because with the, being an empty nester, my wife and I have been able to do stuff that I enjoy doing that I just didn't have time for when I ran my own company. Right. You know, like like hiking Mount Mitchell last weekend, you know, or hunting or, you know, we do a lot of camping and four-wheeling and th- there's definitely a different lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're here in North Carolina the and there's beautiful areas to explore up there. Absolutely. And so I think that's an important part about the whole entrepreneurial chase is you know, he's making sure that you do something where you can maintain a lifestyle that's sustainable. Right. A lot of that does come down to, as you said, you know, what are the revenue streams? Are they sustainable? Is it something that you can get out of the business over time and have something that is sustaining by itself or not? And I think that's the challenge of entrepreneurs, right? And sometimes I know myself as an entrepreneur, part of that is how much control I'm willing to give to others too. Because I think part of my wiring, and and I suspect the same is true for you with your love for the the front end and the voice of customer work, is we just love creating new things. And that that can also give us more connection to an entrepreneurial activity that has its pros and cons all by itself. Absolutely. Okay. So that was some disadvantages of the being on your own as an entrepreneur. And part of what you said there at the end was the responsibility of payroll. It's just that added pressure of, we got to keep revenue coming in so I can keep paying these people that have made a decision to work with me. And that's more responsibility because of that. Yeah. And I will say that if you run your own company, a portion of that, your job is to deal with a spreadsheet, not voice of the customer. Right. And so, um, and it's, 
the and part of the challenge is that if we're really good at something, then maybe we're okay or maybe we're crappy at business. And so so I think that that the whole business side of it all it's generally what makes or break you breaks you. Uh-huh. And so it's um and a lot of companies die because of being undercapitalized or having not having the capital at the moment they need it. Right. And so it's probably a whole other podcast, but it's definitely an important consideration. Um, Cause having plenty of capital when you don't need it, you can still be just as out of business as if you had, you know, no cap, you know, no capital when you needed it. Yep. Cap. Let's move to being the entrepreneur now helping to do some of that industrial design, fuzzy front end work, work with customers that are at Pentair. Mm-hmm. Let's start with the advantages of that. Yes. So, so the several advantages, one is that um, we've got uh, a large team. And so that way you're working in a multidisciplinary team, which uh-huh. means that, and a team with depth. And so, so we'll have, um, one of the things that in Pen Air that I think we do really well is that there are times when your know, project needs change. And because we're developing an entire platform of products at once across an entire engineering group, there are times that you may have to switch to a different project and hand off what you're doing to the engineer beside you. Hmm. And so that type of um, collaboration requires a lot of trust because <laughs> it's tough to let go of what you've been working on for the past few months. And then you got to go over here and work on this. And, and so that's one of the things is that at Penn Air, we've really, uh, as a group tried to drive, um, you know, th- and as you talk, let me back up and say, as you talk about in some of your training for the NP, NPDP certification, talk about the different, the evolution of product teams. Uh-huh. And so, uh-huh. One of the things that at Pen Air we've worked hard to achieve and is to have um, product teams where there's a lot of trust. And so that's been great because we, we work together well and collaborate well. And that also gives you the mobility to move resources around as you need them. Right. So that's really nice, having that deeper pool to draw from. Um, and it's also it's also nice, too, in that coming from an entrepreneurial thing where I was working a lot of hours to go into something closer to 40 hour work week. It is awfully nice to be able to leave in the evenings and, you know, not, not be worried about everything. So that's an advantage. Uh And another nice thing too is because I have a lot of people around me that are very good at product development, it helps push me to keep developing my skills Uh and helps keep me sharp. And, uh, and, and is. And at the same time, I think because we have highly collaborative teams, that means we challenge each other, you know, in inside and outside of work. And I think that also helps grow your product development skills and helps maintain a level of enthusiasm. Right. Um, one of the other things, too, I, I think at Pen Airs, we have a lot of folks that um, that do a lot of projects outside of work. And I'm not thinking about, in this case, um, consulting. I'm thinking about we have a lot of a lot of gearheads that like to, you know, build fast cars, or or guys that like to redo their kitchens, or electrical engineers developing Arduino stuff just because they can. Right. And so there's kind of a uh, a culture of you could buy it, but why don't you just make it? Right. <laughs> so we have all these, and uh, and that's a nice environment to be in. 
It is. And that's something you share as a team, right? This group of makers that like to do things themselves and create something new that doesn't exist. And the big advantage of that teamwork is innovation almost never happens in a vacuum, right? It's different disciplines coming together, sharing ideas, building on something, you know, it's that yes and approach. Like, let's take that idea and make it better together. Yes, exactly. And and I think too, that team is not, not just engineers, industrial designers and product managers. There's a, a part of that team too that includes the sales team, the, mm-hmm. the training folks, the customers, the there's a especially when an organization the size of Pen Air, you know, there's an opportunity to to get information that helps develop the product and helps define the product from a wide variety of um, users, um, employees. So that's really nice. Yeah. A lot of infrastructure already in place to take advantage of and relationships that exist. Exactly. And, and no spreadsheet, right? Which is a big difference, right? The All the things as an entrepreneur that have to be done you get to do them whether you like it or not, or find someone and find the revenue to be able to pay that person to do the things that you don't want to do. And in Pentair, you get to focus on the things that you really excel at because there's already others that enjoy the spreadsheet, right? Enjoy the, the running the business aspect of things. Yes. And I'm having a blast just spending days designing stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I, for people who never you know, worked in that entrepreneurial environment where you were responsible for everything, um, one way or another, it's, it's so nice to go and just spend, you know, a day just figuring out how this thing's going to work, right. you know, or working out those details or making sketches and concept sketches and thinking it through that. It, it, it's a joy. Yep. It really is. Let's talk about some of the disadvantages. Making that transition, you probably ran into some things that you went, I don't know if I want to be doing this right now or not. But what are the cons of this? So, all right. So kind of the short term and, and maybe medium term and long term. Mm-hmm. Short term is that when you go to make a transition from an entrepreneurial role to a corporate role, I believe there's a lot of skepticism in the corporate world um, because they're like, eh, this guy's going to stay six months, decides he misses the thrill of the hunt and leave. Mm. I think that's a real problem um, when you want to make that transition from a hiring standpoint. And then so a lot of companies, I believe, look at entrepreneurs and go, nah, never mind, because of that. Huh. Um, I think that, that's a risk you take and kind of being pigeonholed. Now, a lot of companies, though, at the same time, if you can find a company that looks at that and says, hey, this guy's going to bring a level of enthusiasm. He's going to bring a, a much broader skill set to the table. Um, then that's a um, may even be a better fit as a company to go work for because they're saying, okay, we, we recognize that you've got some different skills, but um, at the same time, we know you're going to have to walk away from some of those skills to some extent, but then, but we want that enthusiasm. We want this new level of thinking. Right. And yeah. I think that's a, one of those first hurdles to get over. Yeah. Part of that's a company that will take a chance on you just because of that different environment that you've been in, if you'll stay around or not. But at the same time, you bring a set of skills that many others don't have. Depth right. in specific areas and then a much more well-rounding overall. I think another challenge, too, is that when you when you go to um, make that transition and a comp, uh, HR person looks at you 
And they've got, you know, they're thinking, okay, in our engineering group, we've got engineer one, two, three, you know, we've got senior engineer, we've got, mm-hmm. and so translating those skills into that matrix is difficult for a corporation a lot of times because there's a, a progression. You're engineer one this long, engineer two this long, engineer three this long, and you don't have that progression for them to translate. So I think that's another thing too, is if you're making that transition, it's important to be flexible mm-hmm. because you may not get pegged in as high a level of slot as you think, and you may have to work a few years to move that up, but that's okay. Um, because there's, like I said, there's a translation that is hard for uh, HR to do. Right. You know? Yeah. I can say that. We, we have role levels in most organizations I've been in. You have something that looks like that junior, medium, senior sort of role, and there's specific criteria that go with each, and they have to do the mapping. Okay. What about other disadvantages? So I think another thing that was definitely a transition for me is one day you are responsible for everything. You are the last word, at least as far as within the company, um, you know, your clients or your, um, you know, they're, you're doing work for them and they you know, specify how and what they want. But at the same time, as far as the day-to-day operations and those decisions within the company, you are making, you are responsible for those. Uh-huh. Then when you transfer to a big corporation, all of a sudden you're not, <laughs> right. You're responsible for much smaller scope. And so for me, you know, that was in a way, that was the one thing I worried about the most, but I think that was, um, that was the thing that, uh, wasn't as big of a difficulty as I thought it would be. Uh-huh. It was pretty easy to jump in and transition. Uh, I think the other thing too, is there's definitely a, a different language because when you are an entrepreneurial organization, every organization develops its own culture. Right. And so when you hop into another culture, um, especially in a big company, that culture in the short term is immutable. It's not going to change. So you have to definitely make that cultural shift. And that's a, uh, that can be challenging too. But I think that's one of those things with time and humility, you'll, you know, people will make that shift. It just, everybody's just got to be patient. Right. Humility goes a long way. As you've discussed this, I've been trying to listen to just what I perceive as the energy in your voice behind things, right? And so part of that shift was really excited about, I can just focus on design work today. I can do my 40-ish hours a week, and I have time for other aspects of my life and my family and things I really enjoy in the mountains there. And then there's a little bit of, I'm not in the control I used to have, and some of the energy around even being responsible for others, right, and helping others as you were an entrepreneur. Where did that come down for you? This would be different for everyone, but do you find yourself between the two where do you think you've personally had more energy, more fulfillment, more excitement in life? Oh gosh, that's a horrible question. The reason why. <laughs> so, you know, it's one of those things that I've really enjoyed both. Uh-huh. Um, I, I really don't plan to go back to any full scale entrepreneurial adventures um, because I'm enjoying um I'm really enjoying spending more time with my wife uh-huh. and and we're, we're able to go out and do stuff more. Um, you know, it's, and so that is a, one of these, you know, um, outside of work things that really drives my um, planning for what I want to do. And, you know, it's career wise. Um, so they're both, I've had a lot of fun doing that, but now, you know, it's, 
I'm in a different phase and I'm really enjoying doing a more corporate approach to it. Right. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it's, it's kind of like, it's so, it's such a different environment, a different experience, probably just because I enjoy product development so much and, and designing stuff. I probably enjoy the corporate more in a lot of ways because I'm able to focus on yeah. what I enjoy. Doing. Yeah. Most of your time can be spent on what you love the most. That's excellent. Yeah. And then you have more time for your wife and family, which you also love. So that's good. Yeah. Yeah, and like you said, you enjoyed both, and both had many good things about them, lots of advantages. So, I appreciate you just sharing that experience. I, I thought that was really unique that you've had such a wealth of experience in different areas, the B2B on your own, the B2C, being with the larger organization and a designer with them, and great to talk about. One other thing I'm curious about, you recently earned PDMA's new product development professional certification that I have a training program to help people earn that, and... I did that because I found it so personally useful when I earned that certification as part of my career path. You did it when you went back and joined Pinter, and I'm just curious about why you chose to get that certification at you know th- this part of your life. Part of that is, I think it's it's really really easy when you're in an entrepreneurial role to back off on training and professional certifications mm-hmm. because you're so deep in the details of day to day. I think it's 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 really really easy in an entrepreneurial situation to not focus on your career and your um, skill advancement and and kind of put that to the back burner. Whereas when you get in a corporate environment, you know there's the training budget. You know you get we get asked you know once a year, okay, here's what we'd like to see you get trained in, but what would you like to do? And so it's um, in a corporate environment. I think a lot of times it's easier because of that structure where um, the company wants you to grow as a contributor in the company. Mm -hmm. And so that, uh, that makes it really easy to say, okay, here's what I want to do this year and then go do that. Yeah. Really good. Yeah. Professional development, something we need continually thinking about how our careers are progressing. And that's, that's one of the things I think that's become even more important the last few years to most companies Mm -hmm. that, you know, want to grow these people um, and make that investment. In yeah, I've been seeing that too. So it's great to have the support from your company and people are more interested too in building their skills and being able to contribute at a different level. Yes. Glad to help with that too. And MPD is a great way to do that. Mm-hmm. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes. What did you bring for us and why did you choose that one? So I've always, I've had on my email signature for years that a candle loses nothing by lighting another candle. Mm-hmm. And so... I think that when it comes to new product development, the if you need someone in your group that is that crazy guy in the corner that is thinking about, wow, what can we do for the customer? You know what? How do we make this product something amazing rather than just another product? And so I think that quote kind of covers that because if you can, you know, if you can share that enthusiasm. And share that, yeah, I'm going to work a little later tonight because I want to add this one more really cool thing to the product. You know, I think that adds to, A, your enjoyment of what you're doing because you end up with a product you're even more proud of. And also, too, an enthusiastic team is a team that enjoys working together more. Right. And so I think that's kind of why I've always felt that, that, you know, if you can... 
if you can share or teach or or just share some enthusiasm um, or or lead too, you know that kind of falls into that. How do you how do you turn around and and take what you're excited about and then share that? Mm-hmm. So that quote seemed to kind of cover that and remind me of that. That's excellent. I, I like that. That's a great word picture, right? The lighting of the candle. You're not giving up anything, but you're helping to spread light. That enthusiasm and enjoyment. Yes, and the the thermodynamics. Yeah, you know, there's this whole you know technically thermodynamics. It does give off. It loses a little heat, but <laughs> but, um, but you know that, I think the the gist of it's close enough. Right. Yep. Yep. And just for a moment in time. Exactly. Excellent. Okay, for listeners that are just curious about what you are doing outside of Pinter or anything you want to share there too, how can they find out more about your work? So if you go to monty.com, M-O-N-T-I-E dot C-O-M, mm-hmm. um, that's my blog. And and so I'll post stuff whenever we have a new Monty Gear product or, you know, a lot of the posts are more, uh, the last few years have been more about hiking and four-wheeling and stuff, that, crazy stuff we did in the Jeep. and. But it mix in there some product development stuff. So it's probably a good way to keep track of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's the Monty Gear site, uh, M-O-N-T-I-E-G-E-A-R.com. And you can see some of the uh, products that we've done over the years. And uh, and those have been fun. And and it's it's nice, too, because with the Monty Gear products, I get love letters. And by when I say love letters, in terms of, let me clarify that. Um, your, your wife might that be listening. That's right. So people that might that love the products and enjoy these products because we made them in a robust way, I'll get I get a steady stream of people like I've had your slingshot or I've had your knife or um, you know that and they've said it's really great. I just wanted to let you know that and, mm-hmm. and that's really affirming. It and works. then I will say too that our knife just showed up in a uh, video game. So wow, it's, it's nice. That, yeah. <laughs> So it's nice to have um, that the a video game uh, company thinks that we have cool products. That's right. So, yeah, but, that's a good testimony that someone in the video world said, hey, this game needs a cool knife and I know what one is. Well, it's funny, too, that the same company, a lot of their press releases where they announce a new game, they have Montague products holding up their um, their props. And sometimes some of our products are their props. So it's definitely nice. <laughs> That's adds excellent. to the fun of it all. It does. You know, and that's that's the other thing with product development is that I think if we can maintain a sense of wonder and a sense of fun, mm-hmm. then that makes life a lot better, and it, it also makes for better products. I think if if our if our processes become dry and stale, then we're going to crank out products that are you know maybe dry and stale. Whereas if we can have fun with some of what we're doing, it's um, it's awfully nice. And I think it gives better products where people actually do want to send those emails and say, this is a great product. Thanks right. for making it. Yeah, that's good feedback. The best products have an emotional connection. And we have to remember that when we look at the value ladder of how we deliver value to customers, higher up on that ladder is past the features and functionality. It's, wow, I feel, I'm excited to use this product. It makes me feel better in some way, right? Well, and we've also had, we've also had, Multi, I'll call them multi-generational wins where one guy, um, he's, his dad gave him one of the Montague knives. His dad had gotten to the point he was too old. He, he felt like he was too old to use it effectively. And uh, he didn't do as much outdoors. 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he kind of, his lifestyle had changed. And so he passed the knife on to his son and uh, his son lost part of the knife. And she's like, can you fix this for me? So, hmm. but uh, it, it's nice that, you know, someone thought enough of that to pass it on. And then someone else, when they lose a sheath, they're, you know, going back to us saying, I need a new sheath. My dad gave me this. This is an important product. Right. Yeah. There's a personal connection. It makes a difference. Absolutely. Excellent. Well, thank you for all the information. Really good insights about that journey that you've been on and the change between being the entrepreneur and now the intrapreneur and helping the organization there. Appreciate the great information and the time that you've taken to talk about it. Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to join you today. Thanks for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product master, learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence and confidence so you'll create products customers love. Now, the show notes, that summary of what we just talked about with Monty, you can find at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 255. And also, we talked a little bit about that MPDP, right? That was how Monty and I first met, the new product development professional certification from PDMA. If that is something you're interested in adding to your resume, it really is a great certification to have. It gives you a really good, credible story to share with others about what was involved in learning this body of knowledge that lets you be able to pass the exam and say you are an MPDP, then go check out the training I have for that. You can find that at theeverydayinnovator.com slash MPDP. Again, that's theeverydayinnovator.com slash NPDP. Stands for the New Product Development Professional. Hope you check it out. And as always, keep innovating. Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit theeverydayinnovator.com.